0: Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. And today I'm excited to release the first episode of a three-part series that I recorded with my husband, Eric, on the topic of marriage and how we can fight for joy in marriage. I'm going to keep this intro really short because we do spend a little time at the beginning of our first conversation here laying the groundwork for what we will cover in these next three episodes. So, With that, I'm happy to welcome back my favorite guest, well, and yours too, my husband, Eric. Hi, Eric.
1: Good morning, how are you?
0: I'm good, I'm excited about this episode. Thanks for doing it with me.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to doing this.
0: Yeah, well, you are a crowd favorite. Everybody loves when you come on the podcast. Oh, you're just saying
1: that, uh, (laughs) you are my wife and everything.
0: No, I'm, I, I really, there's no other person I obviously would want to talk about marriage with. Oh, fantastic. Um, so I'm glad we can do this. But yeah, we have had um, just a crazy couple of months around here, haven't we? We have indeed. <laughs> it all kind of started with our, with our move. Um, after 16 years in the same house, we had a new opportunity present itself and moved just a few blocks away into a beautiful new space that feels like a just a perfect fit for our family during this next season of life so we moved and then we
1: same town just like nine yeah blocks just north.
0: a few blocks away Great. um and then we dove into the holidays we and um, getting settled into the house and decorating and then justine's amazing boyfriend will proposed to her on christmas morning that was, neat. That was so that was exciting very <laughs> it's a game changer yeah So, um, so yeah, weddings and marriage, I mean, that has, that's been on our minds ever since.
1: It has. Yeah. It's been, it's been full. It's been, uh, good. And, uh, we are finding a new normal at this house and, uh, it's fun to be able to record this today.
0: Yeah. Well, not only has, um, Justine's engagement brought to mind all things marriage, but it is the number one thing that I get asked about from podcast listeners or when I ask for ideas about topics or when I throw out the question box on Instagram. Um, Yeah, people are just wondering, even especially related to grief, just um, if it has been a challenge for us to stay together as we both grieve and oftentimes grieve individually and and differently differently. but for people who are married, it is just such a huge aspect of their life, of their daily life, um, of the big picture of their life, and um, just a key thing to work on in our fight for joy.
1: Yeah, it is indeed. And it's a, a worthy fight. We will uh, certainly talk about that. It is a worthy uh, place to give energy, effort, Um so, yeah, looking forward to our topics.
0: Yeah, well, there's a lot, obviously, that we can share on this topic. Um, but before we do, just a couple quick comments. First, we should say that as we talk about marriage today, most of what we share, um, it's applicable to um, to marriages that are not destructive, um, meaning if you are in a marriage that is not safe. Um, a podcast is not um, probably what's going to help you today. You need to seek help and professional counsel, not just advice from Eric and Jody Blick. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, there is no doubt that marriage is hard and many marriages are just, you know, they're just flat out difficult, but there is a big difference between a difficult marriage and a destructive marriage. So, um, and that said, we also want to say that while we do have a great marriage, um, it isn't perfect and we certainly don't want to portray that today. Um, you know as we think about life in this broken world each of us have different burdens to carry and if your marriage is your burden and it's difficult and hard and the source of hurt and tears and grief um i just encourage you not to compare your life with ours and let discontentment creep in because yes we have a good marriage but don't forget that we have other burdens um that we carry i mean we don't have Jackson here Our grief in that area is deep and continual. Um, We no longer have my mom here. Um, We've experienced, you know, terrible brokenness in the lives of people that we love. We're currently carrying heavy burdens for people um, in our family and friend group. Um, You know, we have experienced other losses and betrayal and relational stuff. And again, so as we, you know, as we talk about our marriage and we share what we've learned, this doesn't mean that our lives are free of hardship and pain.
1: Yeah, this is this is the broken world and um you know marriage is not a perfect place for a refuge and uh there are there are uh, disappointments in marriage and um yeah, I think that's a great opening line that this is this is more about things that have been helpful to us and things that we've we've learned versus Uh, do it this way. In uh, Mm -hmm. some cases, it's uh, don't do it this way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, and and I think that's helpful to uh, start out,
0: yeah, yeah. And just a reminder too that, um, you know, our reliance on Christ there's so many things we're going to talk about today that you may not feel you have the strength to do, or the energy, or the ability to do, and that is okay. That is going to be the overarching message of our. Podcast today, too, is that when we are weak, um, we see God's strength, and that is certainly applicable in marriage. Um, so, let's just start by talking a little bit about our marriage. Um, you know, we we will have been married 27 years this August. Indeed. Yesterday was our engagement anniversary, 27 years ago, you proposed. So I did. We are not Thanks experts. Thanks for saying yes to you, by the way. Yeah, oh, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> There's always that,
1: uh, will you marry me? You know, pause, like, oh, oh, I do hope she's... Well, that would
0: have been a big disappointment because <laughs> you would flew been. me to Nashville uh, to propose. So that would have been um, quite the fun flight home if I would have said no.
1: That uh, would have <laughs> I think been you knew a I fun would say flight yes. home. I yeah. was pretty sure you would say yes. Uh, yes, we were living in chicago in the time and southwest was uh getting all sorts of flights all over the midwest and uh, we were able to go down to nashville just for dinner which we had never done before
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Uh,
1: and it was super fun she was super surprised uh and uh yes i was super glad she did not say no that would have been a bummer
0: yes and that's right a year after college um you know we had both we both had jobs we had a little money to spend so that was a fun time Of life. But yeah, we dated for um, about five years on and off. Um, We got married in my hometown here in Fremont, Nebraska, Um, honeymooned in California. Um, We lived in Illinois for a while, then we moved to Michigan. We had um, a couple of kids there. Jackson and Justine were both born in Michigan. Um, Shortly after that, we moved back to Nebraska to be closer to family. And then we had two more kids, Turner and Grace. Um, those married years with young kids were challenging. Um, we were stretched financially. Um, you know, stretched just, with our time,
1: stretched yeah, with our energy. Yeah, we were exhausted. <laughs> yeah, my
0: body just in and out of pregnancy and postpartum, and yeah. you trying to um, start a career and. Um, we were just exhausted, exhausted, yeah. um, a sweet time of life. I look back on the pictures and I think, boy, that was a sweet time of life. But yeah, in the moment, the days me. were long and, um, those were challenging years. I think we did a lot of growing in our marriage Yeah. those years out of just, um, not knowing which end was up sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> and really mm-hmm. learning how to communicate, um, and then, you know, preteens and teens, and um, that has presented some challenges in our marriage too, sometimes not being on the same page, yeah. um, but also at the same time, just really enjoying our kids too and learning what it's like to have other um, young men and women in our home that are fun to hang out with and, um, and still trying to make time um, and prioritize our marriage. And then the stage we're at now, which is nearing the empty nester stage. Um, we've got another uh, year with Grace here at home, and then it will be back to the two of us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, and uh, somewhat the last couple years, um, as we've had fewer and fewer kids in the house, uh, these last couple years of high school, they do have a lot of activities outside of the house um mm-hmm. grace being in uh the high, the high school musical right now uh wrapping up swim season um there's a number of things going on right now that and plus friends on top of that you get friday saturday nights thursday nights like she's gone and we're and we are getting a uh, taste of that even now yeah and um figuring it out so yeah yeah,
0: yeah. it's fun So anyway, 27 years, um, that doesn't mean we are experts, but we are a little experienced. We have some miles under our belt. Um, I also just want to say that we are both grateful for the many years of marriage, um, that we have seen with both sets of our parents. Um, there is great value to that as well. Um, to see, you know, our parents live that many years, um, together. The example that they've set of running to the Lord through the ups and downs of life, um, the way they've encouraged us in our marriage um that is definitely a privilege that i know is um something to be to be grateful for for sure
1: yeah we have watched other couples too through um various churches and various parts of the country that we've lived and um studying marriage has been really fun and it it has been something that we've we we have watched and maybe for for those of you you know listening that your parents or your in-laws did not have a good marriage or did not have things that you respected in their marriage. Um, you know, there's always the other you know side of the coin. If, if, if this is, if, if this is what marriage is and it's bad, maybe there's another side of the coin and, uh, you can learn some things from that as well that, um, the opposite of that must be this. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, so don't be dis uh, discouraged if um, you know you didn't have close people in your life to watch what a uh, you know functioning marriage was. Um, mm-hmm. There is hope there that that is out there, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and oftentimes we can learn as uh, foils within you know literature of what it's opposite of, and then we can learn more about that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are things that as beautiful as both sets of our parents' uh, marriages have been we've we've kind of taken some things that we wanted to follow in their footsteps and other things that we wanted to do different and i'm sure Justine and Will will do that and Turner and Grace as well um but when we were throwing around the idea of doing this podcast on marriage, and you just said it again a minute ago, but you made the comment that stuck with me, and and it's true. You said we have been students of marriage before we were students of grief, meaning you know we've learned so much about grief these past almost eight years, so much that we started this podcast. I mean, we've spoken at gatherings. We we spend a bulk of any given week um, encouraging and helping others who are grieving, or helping others to know how to love people who are grieving, um, and yet, you know, the same way we have dived deep into learning about grief, literally for, for our joy, for our survival right. and joy, um, we have done the same thing with marriage since the beginning of our marriage. Right. Um, I know some of it is that we are both just lifelong learners. We enjoy learning. We, um, we encourage advice and hearing other people's stories and kind of work to foster the same desire to grow and thrive um, in our marriage as we, as we have done these last eight years of grief. Um, and, you know, we've always wanted, and we continue to want 27 years later, a good marriage, the best marriage possible. Um, but when you think about it, I mean, who, who doesn't, who doesn't, want the best marriage they can have. Nobody wants to start off in marriage wanting it to fail or not wanting to have a wonderful marriage. So what do you think is behind our desire to be students of marriage, like you said, or what do you think clicked for us? Why do you think we've been so passionate to learn about it and study it and grow
1: in it? Well, I think for me, um, I had a number of really good uh, friends growing up. I thought I was close to a lot of different people. Um, but then I met you and I, this is gonna, this is gonna sound a little over the top maybe, but you, (laughs) (laughs) you, I had never met someone like you that could really ask questions and probe into kind of the depths of who I was and you, you wanted to know more. And then you were telling me and showing me stuff about you too. And I really liked being able to be that close with someone. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought as you know, dating, if we're getting this kind of close, man, I, 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 I bet marriage will be even more. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, um, kind of what helped me down that, that path. Um, you know, if, if we're, if we're loved, but not fully known, that's just being fake. And there was a time when I was getting to know you that, um, I had that light bulb moment that I don't have to pretend I'm someone that I'm not, or I don't have to hide this, or I don't have to pretend this isn't an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause if, if, if you're not vulnerable like that, you won't, you won't be, be known, but on the flip side of the coin, um, to be fully known and then not fully loved is betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I've just shared with you everything that uh, maybe I don't like about myself. And now I, I, I don't see you. You're gone. You're out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's vulnerable the other way. And that's super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to kind of capture at that age, like, wait a minute, like there is there is a type of love that does want to be fully known and still fully loved at the uh, same time and that's what an intimate relationship must be and must must be like and uh man i just i just wanted Mm -hmm. more of that there was a there was a deep longing in my uh, soul and and you know there that's that's ultimately how god made each of us we're relational beings (laughs) we we want to be known we want to be loved we want to have that close friendship Um, and that's patterned right after how the Trinity works, how the father thinks of the son, Mm -hmm. the son thinks of the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit thinks of Jesus and, and God, right. There's this, there's this real friendship and intimacy and safety in the uh, Godhead. And out of that overflow, he created us, um, to experience, um, that closeness and Mm -hmm. we are relational beings in his image and, and man, in college, I started striking that chord in a way that um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know was there Mm -hmm. and I really wanted more of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, same. I mean, everything you're saying, I resonate with. That is, was true for me too. And, you know, I think that is, that is what's key. You find that person that you just can't get enough of hearing more and getting to know more deeply and... And it is okay. You know, it is, it's is hard. Like you said, if you pour out your heart and you share things with somebody and let them get to know you and they aren't wanting to right. <laughs> then walk alongside of you for the rest of their life, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it takes that kind of vulnerability to find that out. But the key is when you find that person that you just desire to know more deeply, and then you love that. You love the broken parts of them. You love the the struggles, um, they're not easy. They're not what you are, you know, asking for necessarily, but you're willing to run alongside of them as they fight these things, as they grow. Um, you know, the potential's there and you just want to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. 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 Well said.
0: Well, we're going to get into the top 10 things that have really helped us in our marriage. Um, But as I was preparing for this episode, I just I also wanted to hear from you, our listeners. Um, We certainly don't have a corner on the market here with marriage. A lot of you have phenomenal marriages, things we have learned from you and a lot of wise things to share. And so knowing that, I just I put a question box out on Instagram and asked some of you to share your top piece of marriage advice, kind of the main thing that you think has been crucial to helping your marriage thrive. And you guys shared some great things. A lot of the things actually
1: kind
0: of overlapped with what we will share too. But thank you for responding. And I've kind of summarized them into the top 10 pieces of marriage advice from our listeners. So I'm just going to blitz through them. Um, Eric, if you have any comments as I read through them, just jump in. Um, But I loved hearing what you guys shared. Um, Number one, you have to work on communication. And I think we would both 100% agree with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's something that uh, has to take work and it's good work and you can't just get married and then forget about that that takes time priority effort energy
0: yeah and and you know another person said it kind of fits in the same category just talk to one another every night before bed um make sure that you're getting caught up and you know what's going on and the details of each other's lives um i think for some of us for for us sometimes it's talking and getting caught up in the morning um You're pretty tired at night. I do sort (laughs) of hit a brick wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another person said, you know, within the topic of communication, listening to each other is super important, which we obviously agree with as well. Um, Number two, uh, refuse to be self-focused, but stay intent on looking for specific ways to serve, support, and encourage even when you're tired and busy. Yeah, I love that one a lot. That's, I do too. That's well said. I do too. That was taken, um, I know who shared that one and she said that was taken from a quote um, from Paul Tripp, but great advice um, yeah. because uh, realistically, a lot of life is spent being tired and busy. <laughs> so if you're only willing to serve and support and encourage um, when you have the time and energy and desire, um, it's going to crumble. Yeah. Number three, forgiveness and grace. Um, I think we could go on and on about this one, but just super important to ask for and receive forgiveness.
1: Yeah. Roots of bitterness that last a long time, man, those are hard to pull out Yeah, and that's destructive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Number four, laughter, the importance of humor and having fun. Um, This is huge for us. (laughs) Um, And you know, just within this category too, I think one thing we've learned um, is the importance of laughing at yourself. Um, you know, having fun, being silly, keeping a sense of humor, but also just not taking yourself so seriously um, that you can't take constructive criticism or receive your spouse's input, or you know, just give somebody the benefit of the doubt when they make a comment that could could come across like they're trying to hurt your feelings and they're just trying to be funny.
1: Yes, that's definitely one you've uh, taught me. I mm-hmm. I did, <clears throat> you know, looking back. I did take myself pretty seriously in college, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and up until that point, and then you really helped me see. You know what? It's probably okay to laugh at yourself. There's mm-hmm. a couple of things that you're doing that are just goofy, <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah. I'm not okay. trying I to hurt you. Know it's just you funny, and I love yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, listen up a little bit, and so uh, yeah, I am uh, super good now at uh, laughing at myself. Thanks, thanks to you.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> number five, uh, compromise. This is also a big one. I mean, just trying to decide which hills to die on, um, when to just go with the other person's opinion, um, you know, compromising, um, yeah, not digging in on, on everything that you have an opinion on.
1: Right. Yeah. Good.
0: Number six, understanding the love languages and the Enneagram. And we are going to get into, uh, me too. We're going to get into the love languages, um, Uh, Coming up, we don't really mention too much about the Enneagram, but I would just say just overarching, yeah, figuring out how the other person's wired. I mean, how are they wired? Um, What are their personality bents? And, you know, along these same lines, people shared things like, um, hold hands with each other, um, rub each other's backs, cuddle, you know, these are super important things. If your spouse's love language is physical touch, you know, and then some of you said time away and continuing to date each other, which again, you know, especially plays in if your spouse has quality time at the top of your list. So as some of you gave practical pieces of advice, I could tell what your love language was.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's very true. And... You know, just a hint, uh, typically the way we are wired is that what we seek in a spouse oftentimes is exactly opposite of us. And so this one's (laughs) really important because the longer I live with Jody, the more I realize that we absolutely approach the world in two different ways. And I married my complete opposite or she married her complete opposite. Mm And that's what, that's a lot of what makes marriage so rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't understand that and you don't understand love languages, you're really going to miss one another in how you're talking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very true. Number seven, marriage is not 50-50. You need to expect to give more than your spouse at times. Yeah, that's a big one. That is a big one. We're going to talk about that one yeah. too. Um, number eight, put God first, which doesn't yeah. really need a whole lot of explanation. <laughs> yeah. Um, that definitely is key. Um, number nine, keep perspective, um, kind of a bird's eye view. Mm. Remember the why of marriage and what the end goals are. Keep the big picture, kind of the idea of not getting lost in the forest for the, for the trees.
1: I like that one a lot. I do like the why question in life. And this is, this is a big one. So thank you for writing that one.
0: And the last one, um, I mean, there were many more, but like I said, I tried to kind of group them in the same categories, is um, no meanness, name-calling, or holding a grudge. Um, I mean, that's just true in life in general, but I would say especially, yeah, with your spouse, um, it's hard to live with somebody, share a bed with somebody, you know, go through life, make decisions together, parent together. Um, Yeah, when you are, when you have name calling and grudge holding and yeah. just a spirit of meanness.
1: Yeah. One of the myths in life um, is uh, right. We were all taught this as a kid. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. just, that's just not true. People I think words. Um, are double. That is just yeah. not, that is just not true. We, we, if we're wired as relational beings, uh, words matter and, and words sink in and, connect with us both for good and for bad in uh, ways that are really powerful and Mm -hmm. life-changing either one way or the other and man protecting Mm -hmm. marriage with your words is a is a big one yeah Yeah. you know names and words really can do lasting damage and on the flip side of the coin names and words can do tremendous healing yeah and that's what we're called, called to do with our mouth. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: good. So thank you. Thank you guys for sending those in. Those were good. good And, um, you know, marriage is just, it's a huge topic. Um, we are not going to even come close to covering all of the important aspects that, um, aspects of it in um in just a podcast episode and and really depending on how much we each have to share today this may end up being a couple of episodes anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but still there are so much that we just won't even be able to get to so what we thought might be helpful is just narrowing things down to our own sort of top 10 things that we have learned in marriage or through marriage or about marriage um kind of 10 main things that have helped us to thrive as a couple and as individuals really and even in our faith um and Eric had a good idea about framing these things into kind of a do and a don't um, in marriage. There are a couple of podcast hosts. Their names are Knox and Jamie, and they do this on their podcast called The Popcast. And they choose a topic, and then they think of all the no's, N-O-S Um that surround that topic, like things not to do. So the no's of Christmas, the things you shouldn't do during the Christmas (laughs) holiday, or the no's of dating, or the no's of a good movie storyline. So just to kind of make this a little more fun, we're going to do that. We're first going to say, you know, kind of the yes, um, what to do um, on that topic, and then follow it up with a no, like something not to do um, just to kind of keep it fun and moving. And, um, we'll just kind of go back and forth. Um, Eric and I will just kind of go back and forth with these 10 things, um, talking about what we have found helpful to do. And then on the flip side, what we encourage you and what we have learned not to do. Um, if this doesn't make sense, hopefully it will when we get going here, but, um, I will start, I'll go first.
1: Oh, can I just say one uh, thing about that? Um, so some of you may want to just put it on pause right now and see how hard it is to come up with 10 things. Um, go go find your spouse, go find dinner somewhere and just brainstorm. Um, super helpful exercise. It, this this did not come necessarily easy for me. Jody and I spent good time on this kind of wrestling through how do we say this? Okay, this, this is something that is really important to both of us, but how do you put that in words and and mm-hmm. what's how do you make that simple? So that would be one thought just to make it just, um, it's a really fun exercise to do. And if that's where you're at in mm-hmm. your marriage or getting ready for marriage, um, um i would definitely do that and then you can always laugh at yourself too since i'm so good at that now you can always go back <laughs> 10 years from now and look at that list and be like oh honey look at this See the cute little list we used to have and boy <laughs> we were wrong um because that's how <laughs> that's how we kind of got to a lot of these 10 i think mm. um secondly i would say that um some of this comes out of the work that um i just did over the last couple of you know summers, getting ready for one of Jackson's friends getting married, um, Nathan, Kai's, um, and his fiance at the time and now wife Brooke, um, they came to Jody and me and asked us to be the host couple, but said we would really like Jackson to be the best man in the wedding. And mm. of course, that was that was hard. And that's a whole another episode. But special, but and special, really really nice that they did that and they incorporated him um and the relationship that both of them had with jackson in some Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. beautiful ways um in in their you know wedding day and um yeah stuff that even today as you can tell is really hard to still talk through um in a really good way it was really thoughtful what they did but um it it did make me think like all right if this was Jackson, because he's he now would have been at the age to get married. Like, what would I have told him? What, what, what would I have tried to mm-hmm. uh, simple, you know, to make simple um, some of these things that he would have seen Jody and I do over the years um, to put words to it? Um, mm-hmm. Really good exercise for me at the uh, time. And so, um, some of what you'll hear today is. Really what I was able to share with, you know, Nathan, um, really special time with him. And, um, yeah, I wish I could have done that with Jackson. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They spent um, a lot of
1: years together cross country, uh, fishing, all sorts of things, show choir. They, they'd been friends for Mm -hmm. a long, long time and, Mm -hmm. um, really kind that they asked us to, yeah to come in like that. And and that's when it, it just kind of, um, yeah, what is it that I would have told them? And, um, now I'm all ready for uh, Justine and Will. we're <laughs> <laughs> ready for the podcast yeah. dude. dang it. No, but you're right. I mean, yeah.
0: sometimes it does take um, something. It, it there, there needs yeah. to be a reason to really sit down and write out these things that are important and crucial to your marriage. And um, sometimes it is something hard, like losing a son that has made us be more purposeful about what we want to communicate to our other children or to his friends. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this podcast too, just it's a it's been a really encouraging few weeks to just pour extra time and energy into yeah. thinking about this and narrowing them down into um Yeah. Ten things. I mean that's and thought and prayer yeah. and yeah. you know
1: what what is hopeful for mm-hmm. us in marriage? You know, how can we dialogue on this with various people? Um in a way that's, that's hopeful in a way Mm -hmm. that, you know, marriage is still in this broken world and it's ugly. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that Mm -hmm. are really hard in this world and marriage is no exception from it. So how do you, how do you talk about marriage in a way that's hopeful? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, really good exercise Mm -hmm. and really good time uh, spent on this.
0: Yeah. And I do like your encouragement to people who are listening. Um, to do that themselves, to sit down together as a couple and to say, you know, maybe even not just what are the top 10 things that are working in our marriage, but what are a couple of things that are really going well and where are a couple areas that we could spend some time and energy working right. on. Um, when we went to the grief retreat with David and Nancy Guthrie in Nashville, um, they had given us you know time as a couple to spend over that exact question just yeah and i think they had three i think they said what are three things that i am doing well as your spouse or three things that are going well in our marriage and then what are three things that i can work on and um, we've tried to revisit that not even related to grief but just in our marriage as in general Um, And I've also passed that along, that piece of advice to other people who want to improve their marriage or want to continue to study marriage as a whole or improve, you know, where they're at with their spouse. Um, That's a good key way to communicate is not just talking about the problems when they come up, but setting aside time on an anniversary or on New Year's Day as you're starting a new year or just some time where you just put it on your calendar to get together and talk about how you each think your marriage is going and then on the flip side listening (laughs) listening to what your spouse says about what they're encouraged by in their marriage and where you know they really aren't happy um what areas need to be worked on and addressed
1: Yeah. And don't be defensive. Um, Mm -hmm. Listen, (laughs) let it soak in Mm -hmm. and don't be like, I ain't going to be working on that more unless you do this first. Or Mm -hmm. um, let me Mm -hmm. tell you why I haven't been working on that. Don't make excuses. Uh, Man, that was, that's just been a good exercise for us. Just listen to what your spouse has to say on those two key um, questions. Those are super helpful.
0: Yeah. Okay. No particular order. Great. Um, Number one. Yes to learning your spouse's love language and showing them love in the way that they best receive it. And no to showing them love in the way that you would prefer to receive it. <laughs> it's funny now. It may it's not have been now. funny no, no. then. No. Okay. So let's <laughs> unpack it a little bit. So first, you know, the idea of love languages, if that's new to you, it's based on a book that's called The Five Love Languages. And basically it's the idea that each, each person is uniquely wired to receive love, or to feel loved in five main ways. And obviously this plays out in a million different practical ways, but the five main languages are number one, quality time together. Number two, acts of service. Number three, physical touch. Number four, receiving gifts. And number five, words of affirmation. And the reason it's helpful is because when you figure out what your spouse needs and what you need, um, then you are speaking, quote unquote, the same language. Um, If you're just trying to tell your spouse that you love them by showing them things that you want and desire, um, they may not be hearing you. Um, you're kind of expecting the other person to understand what you're saying and they're just not getting it. And so learning about love languages, I just wanted to start with that one because um, that's just a practical thing that has been huge in our marriage. Um, before we figured this out, we were missing each other often and trying to communicate our love in ways that were just not connecting with the other person.
1: Yeah, I, I think this was a huge light bulb moment that... Um... Justine and will already have, they, they already got this one down. And like, (laughs) we didn't get this one down years into our marriage, years into our marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this, this would be like one day I came home and Jody's like, I worked and I swept the whole garage out for you. And now we got dinner on the table and this is, this is great. And I could tell like she was pumped and, Looking back, my response was probably "thank you," um, but it did not reach the level of where she was kind of hoping for, and and I I moved on to the next thing, and that that really hurt her that I moved on to my <laughs> next thing, and and you know we just totally missed one another, um, uh, so uh, that that's not top of my list. So a great exercise for you guys is to um, take those five things and order them most important to least. Yeah, And I guarantee you they will not be in the same order, especially if you marry someone completely opposite from you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I
0: mean, like, so for us, you know, I quote unquote hear you say you love me most yeah. loudly when you take care of me in practical ways, right? right. So the acts of service is my top love language. Um, when you are crossing things off of our home to-do mm. list or you're out working in the yard or right. you're... You figure out practical things to do to help me when I'm overwhelmed, like when the kids were little, um, when you would take the kids for one night a week out for ice cream, Um, just practical things where you were serving me and helping lighten my load Um, and and listening to when I said that something was important to me, whether it be even something little like a light bulb being burnt out that I couldn't reach or... Um, you know, something in the yard that I wished uh, was trimmed back or, you know, just listening to the, to the little things that are important to me and then doing them. Um, But for you, you know, so a lot of times when we were (laughs) married, like you said, so that's what I would be doing. I would try to think, what does Eric need done and how can I get it done so that he can come home and feel super loved and blessed that now he doesn't have to spend time doing these things that would take up his time. Um, but you weren't hearing that because when you came home, you could you didn't care whether or not, you know, I had mowed that right. day. I mean, you were grateful, right. but you were just ready to be with me because for you, you feel most loved when I carve out quality time together. Yes. Um, and what's most important in that for you is that it's uninterrupted, yeah. that it's focused time. Um, you know, for you, a lot of times quality time means one-on-one, um, just uninterrupted conversations, creating special moments together special memories the two of us um and even simple things like just even being in the same room together or on the same couch together even when we are doing you know our own thing
1: right yeah yeah so that was a huge breakthrough so now it's kind of our joke that um I fixed our uh, silverware drawer, and Jody was just sitting there on a chair next to me watching. <laughs> right. <laughs> she, right. She we was on to... her phone. <laughs> she had background music on. Right. And she was just talking to me. Right. And, uh, right. That seems funny, but uh, that no, obviously doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> that's a good word picture of how we were missing one another and we loved each other deeply Mm -hmm. and we wanted to show each other that we loved each other. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me it was in a total reverse order on how you heard it. Yeah. And once I figured out that if I really want Jody to hear me say, I love her, then I'm going to start paying attention to more of what I thought were, you know, throwaway comments Mm -hmm. on light bulbs being out. Like, It doesn't bug me. I could care less like snow on the uh, driveway. Who cares? I'm just going (laughs) to drive over it. Like, um, but those things, those things are important to my wife and they illustrate other things about being heard and Mm -hmm. listened to Mm -hmm. that. When I started to journal those or write them down and not blow them off, man, Jody, really, you really got your head around that. Hey, I really do love you. And sacrificial love for you started feeling different. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that I was able to show it in ways that now you were able to hear it. Yeah. Uh, differently. Yeah. And it's not all about acts of service. You have four other love languages. Right. <laughs> right. Just, I mean, yes. Um, that, yeah. And also at different times in your life, I would say that for me too, kind of one, two, and three mm-hmm. can kind of morph back and forth. Yeah. Like yeah, sometimes for sure. two is number one, sometimes three. And you just, that's how tuned in you got to be to your spouse, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, they all, we all need um, each of the different different things to be happening, Um, but they just rank differently. And there's all kinds of, you know, online quizzes, of course, that book. Yeah, yeah, but really what's helpful is just thinking about journaling or talking to each other about how you feel loved and what kinds of things your spouse does to communicate um, that kind of love. And, you know, I remember you, I remember a couple years into our marriage, I just, I said something like, I just don't feel Like you love me and you said, what are you talking about? I tell you, I love you all the time. And I remember saying, no, you don't. And you're like, no, literally I do. And I was like, you do. (laughs) And then you started pointing it out. Like you would say, I love you. And then, but did you hear that? I love you. And I'm like, why am I not? I'm not hearing you. And that's where the light bulb started to come on of just, thank you for telling me you love me. Um, Your words are great. I need them too, but I'm not hearing it in the way that I would if you listen to me when I'm discouraged or when I feel overwhelmed or when there are things that need to be done around the house. Um, you know, and it's just, it's one thing to know your spouse's love language as well, but it's another thing to work to learn to speak that language, especially like you said, if it's out of your comfort zone, it's not your preference. You didn't see it modeling, modeled growing up. Um, it takes trial and error and listening and paying attention. And one thing, one practical thing that you and I both do now is we keep lists on our phones um, yeah. of things that the other person has said. Super helpful. That would mean a lot to them. Um, and, you know, it's just, I don't know. I think as a separate topic, but kind of tied in here, I think, um, and this could be a whole nother number on our list, but <laughs> Gratitude. Um, You know, expressing thanks when your spouse is trying to speak your love language, they won't get it perfect right away. Um, They may not always hear every little thing that you say is important to you and do it. Um, But when they do do what you've asked them to do, even if they don't get exactly right, I mean, just thank them for trying. And I would just say overall in marriage, say thank you often, Um, even for the little things. Um, And yes, I would say even for the things that you think they should do anyway. (laughs) <laughs> things that probably don't even require a thank you. Like, do I need to thank you for clearing the snow off of our driveway? No, we should just do that. That's just a part of living right. in the Midwest. Right. But you know, to say it anyway, I just feel like gratitude. Um, yeah. It encourages, it unites us. It blesses us. It blesses yeah. your spouse and it just keeps our hearts soft and responsive and, and grateful for all that your spouse does. Even when you wish they were doing more pointing out the things that they are doing Um, will foster them wanting to do more.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good. I think, um, on this topic, um, the apostle Peter, uh, writes something extremely helpful. He says, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. Hmm. And the understanding way I really think means be the world's best student of your wife. Like, there, there should not be another guy on the whole planet that knows what Jody thinks or how she feels or what inspires her or what helps her. Like, like you, like that's that's your vocation, that's your calling. Go live with her in an understanding way and crack that code, crack the code of what love language is ordered for her in this way, um, and then speak it. And he, he he goes on to say, this is this is showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel and weaker. There really means like China, like as, as in beautiful China, that's not meant for pounding nails in the wall, <laughs> right? This is, this is uh beautiful China sense. They are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then here's a kicker at the end so that your prayers may not be hindered. So, <laughs> So guys, you know, there, there's a, if, if you're not living with your wife in an understanding way, Peter says, Jesus ain't going to hear you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's how serious this is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I love that. And, and, um, and I think that includes listening to and understanding how she's wired, being the best student of her. And I think love languages play Mm
0: in. I do too. Yeah. Okay, Eric, you go. number Number two.
1: Um, this is talking about work. It's good work. Um, so yes, yes. To doing the work daily of pulling weeds in your marriage, no to doing work when you feel like it, (laughs) because you'll need a backhoe. (laughs) So when you think about, when you think about weeds in your backyard and you, uh, think about just open dirt area in your backyard or just open dirt anywhere, um, that open dirt is not going to stay there forever. Um, nature doesn't like a vacuum and weeds are going to find it. Something is going to grow there. And, and I think if, if you're trying to make the right things grow in your marriage, there are things daily that you can't sweep under the rug. Mm -hmm. And there's this aspect of, you got to do some of the hard labor every day um, before it runs out of control. And Mm -hmm. then it was a joke, but then when you don't address things in marriage, um, you know, some of these roots of these weeds get so deep, uh, they might look like trees, but it's really, you know, bitterness has taken hold and you are going to need a counselor backhoe Mm -hmm. to, to help get those out Mm -hmm. and to help restore the marriage to kind of where it's at. So, um, so, you know, there's lots of little weeds in marriage that can, uh, you know, pop up. Um, one of the ones for me was I would tell Jody, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be home at six. Um, and I'd get home from the bank at six, 10, And I text her on the way, Hey, I'm running a little late today. Hey, I'm running a little, a little late. And you know, that's one of those things that was like, you know what, um, I understand exceptions once in a while, but it's pretty irritating for me when you say you're going to do something and you're not. Mm-hmm. And if I let that weed fester or if she lets it go on uns- unsaid, like we're not doing a good job of tending kind of the daily work of marriage. So, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's mm-hmm. lots of things we could say about uh, weeds and marriage. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that, um, are in that category but that mm-hmm. was just a quick one too of just yeah. it's yeah. not a major thing it's not like I'm you know late um but if 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 you're not faithful in those types of things for Jody that was a big deal mm-hmm. um and uh maybe you can think of others or however No you want to well and I would topic. say one <laughs> thing
0: for me that you had to communicate to me that it was a weed we needed to pull was I you know I was saying things that were unintentionally hurtful um, early on in our marriage. And yeah. had you not told me like, I know you don't mean this, but this is how I hear it when you say this. Um, and I got defensive. I mean, I did. And I was like, <laughs> that's not what I mean. And I, of course, you know. but um, it was constantly pulling the weeds of, of, Okay, this we've got to talk about this because like you said, what, you can sweep things under the rug and not address it, but you're still going to stumble over the big bump in the rug yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's sweeping it away, not addressing it doesn't make it go away. These things will creep back up and I think bitterness is a great word to use here because yeah. um if there are things that need to be addressed, you're just silently muscling it out yeah. and like i've told him this already three times and he obviously doesn't care he obviously didn't hear me i'm just gonna shut my heart off here to him or i'm just i'm just gonna let this fester or i'm gonna go vent to somebody else or you know it, it's doing the hard work of bringing it up again and again and yeah. trying to explain it in a different way um because yeah keeping grudges making the spouse pay you know, by withholding something or acting a certain way that you know being is cold, hurtful. Yeah. yeah, to get back at them. Yeah. Um, for me, a big thing that I did to you often in our marriage um, was I just gave you the silent treatment. I just I just didn't know how um, to explain to you that I was upset um, outside of just not talking to you. Right. <laughs> and I remember you at one point being like, listen, this isn't going to work for us. Like, if you're <laughs> mad at me, tell me. If you're not, then, you know okay, you're just quiet today. That's fine. But I'm not going to interpret your silence as we have something to talk about. You've got to step it up and tell me we have something to talk about. And that was a a transitional, pivotal moment in our marriage of just like, that was something that had worked for me growing up that I had seen modeled um, that a lot of people I love. Um, That's just how we functioned. If we were mad, we just didn't talk. Um, But the problems didn't go away. I mean, the next time that that same issue would come up, we hadn't addressed it right now we're going to bring up the fact that you did that a month ago and we're going to kind of keep this little stamp book of all of these things that you've done in the past that have hurt me um because we didn't address it then or we didn't accept or receive forgiveness then and so now we have all of these things that have added up over the years um that we just we're lacking that that emotional and um and just that intimacy of communicating and sharing and forgiving and, you know, moving forward once we have worked something out.
1: Yeah. So, uh, back in the early 1900s, people used to uh, collect stamps. I'm sure it was 1800s too. (laughs) They had stamps back there in Pony Express days. Um, dare I say Wells Fargo days, (laughs) uh, for those of you that that's a, a banking joke. Um, but yeah, uh, people used to collect stamps. And be like wow this stamp is cool this one's pretty rare uh this one was only you know built in 1903 blah, blah blah and you know one of the most helpful pieces of advice we got early on was don't keep a stamp book with one another don't fill up pages and pages of things that your spouse did that really irritate you or were wrong and then finally at one day go back 17 pages and be like, look what you did here, look what you did here, and you did it again, and I'm hanging this over your head, and I've had it with you, you just, you can't keep a record of wrongs and you can't let them fester overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you just, um, you got to be diligent about switching back to the uh, garden. you got to be diligent about keeping, um, the garden tended and pulled of, uh, weeds, they're easy to pull out when they're uh, small. And if you don't address them and you don't address them right and well, you are going to need a backhoe. Now mm-hmm. I, I will also say, um, that, um, you know, you, you need to make sure that, um, your, um, you're focusing in on those things in your marriage, um, that are material things. Um, and we're going to be uh, talking about this one later. So don't, um, don't, uh, feel like you have to bring every single thing up to your spouse. Uh, you do need the wisdom <laughs> to go through and say, no, 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 this one's material. And we have to talk about this one. And then for all, for all the other ones, Hey, there's grace and it's part of the 15%, which we'll, uh, you know, talk about coming up. But, um, man, just, just be wise and be diligent to keep um, the garden tended.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you don't want to be obsessive compulsive about every <laughs> yeah. little thing that they do. We better pull well, that weed out. This. Better pull that weed I out. Did? <laughs> yeah. And I think too, just if you do want your spouse to change, if you are discouraged about an aspect of your marriage, I mean, hanging these things over their head, isn't yeah. a good motivator. It's just not, I mean, shame And, um, you know, just humiliation and embarrassment. I mean, all of these things continuing to bring up the same thing over and over is crushing. It's not motivating nine times out of 10. That's not going to, you know, bringing up past things that you've past failures, past hurts, past sins. I mean is not going to have, you know, your spouse isn't going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, thanks for bringing up all of these things I've done wrong in the right. past. Now I want to be different.
1: And that you've already forgiven right, me for. Right. Thank you for bringing them up again.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and all that being said, too, I mean, there you do need to remember, you know, like, I guess I want to be careful about making people think that... Um, there aren't things that you do need to really pay attention to that your spouse has done. I mean, there, you don't need to be a doormat. There are things that have major consequences where trust is broken. um, And, you know, you do need to be cautious. You, you don't need to forgive and forget to the point where like, okay, now this is happening to me again. Shoot. I should have, I should have paid more attention to that before. Um, There are destructive behaviors that, um, that again, you would need to, to get help for. Um, we're just talking about
1: the, yeah. the simpler yeah.
0: things to communicate about that can turn into bigger things. Yeah. Okay. Number three, I think you have this one too.
1: All right. Number three, um, is a little bit more of the purpose and the why this hard work we just uh, talked about is worth it. So yes, to learning some of the reasons why God created marriage. If you really do believe that God created the world, then I bet there's some purposes that he's built. Um, no to just taking your culture's top advice on why we have marriage. Now, some of these are super good and super helpful and some may be not so good or not so ultimate. Um, You know, I think some of the way our our culture talks about marriage um, is man, you'll be more financially stable if you can have a partner and you can have two incomes versus one and you should do it you know you would never say this but you you should do it for for money the purpose of you know marriage is to really thrive monetarily and and to get stuff um you know there's there's uh lots of other ones that are that our world thinks of um that i should be married so that i can be self um, self-fulfilled i'm 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 lonely um the purpose of marriage is for me not to be lonely and to find the fulfillment in life that I just can't on my own. Um, you hear a lot in our culture about arm candy, either way, Mm -hmm. either for the guy, for the girl, the girl, you know, for the guy, like I'm going to marry this person because it makes me look good. Um, you know, again, things that people don't necessarily say out loud, but parts of our culture of what we, of, of what we value or man, I think with her, we'd have some amazing kids that would have a great life. Um, or I really need companionship and the purpose of marriage is so I've got someone to uh, travel with. Cause I love to, you know, travel. Um, you know, these are, these, these can be some of the ways that marriage is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not ultimate. And, um, um, so I don't know if you want to riff on that at all and other ways that, uh, the, the yeah, culture no, may going. come uh, to us, but those are, those are some ways that if you don't sit down and uh, think about, well, well now, wait a minute. I, if I'm honest with myself and I do believe there is a God and I do believe that he made this world, then, um, why well, I've never really thought of that. Like what, like, all right. So what is the why behind marriage? And, um, you know, just focusing in on too quickly, I think we could probably come up with a longer list or maybe a, a you know, separate episode for this, but, um, you know, here's, here's just two thoughts from what God says. Um, number one, marriage is a picture of something greater. There's this idea that marriage is a living parable or a living fictional story or a living nonfiction story that actually plays out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it oftentimes, as with fiction, the best fiction writers oftentimes speak more about the truth about what real life is like and should be like than what nonfiction writers write. And, and so there there's a way that God created marriage as a living parable to teach us something else. Um, and so we hear this all uh, throughout scripture. It's in Genesis one, Paul then quotes it a couple different times. Um, he, he says, um, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And he says, this mystery is profound. Great. And then he says, oh, but I'm really talking about, and I'm saying that this mystery refers to Christ and the church. So like, wait a minute. Like there's this whole aspect of like, how do we understand the way that God thinks of people that know him? Mm -hmm. How do we understand the way that God relates to the church? How do we, how do we get this picture about how God created mankind and wants to have relationship with him and her. Right. Um, what, what must that be like? We can't see God. And, and so um, Paul says, you know, one of the main purposes of marriage is to give us a living parable so that we understand God so that we understand him. So that we understand relationship with him. Um, as I said on my opening um, thoughts, like we have been created as relational beings. And God, in his relational essence, (laughs) did not create the world because he was lonely. And he did not create mankind because he was missing something. Um, He created the world and mankind out of abundance of love and joy within himself, within the uh, Trinity. And it was done so that we could experience that relationship with him and the joy of knowing him like that. And he immediately in Genesis gives us marriage so that we could, so that we could figure that out and we could see that and, and, and we could understand what that is and we could experience that. And so, and so I think that we got to start with, there's a, there's a bigger picture than my self-fulfillment going on here hmm. in why I want to be married, mm-hmm. um, so I've got I've got one other one, but you, I can uh, stop there. Well, I, you Well, no, I, know, on that I think
0: I think the importance of remembering this and keeping this big picture is that if we don't, it's so easy to lose sight of that because we yeah. are broken people in a broken marriage, in a broken world. And, you know, Paul Tripp has an amazing book um, on marriage called What Did You Expect? And what do we expect <laughs> is going to happen with all of this brokenness in this broken world? So if we don't keep the perspective and keep the big picture at the forefront of our minds, it can become maddening and and we can lose sight of why it is worthy work, why it is important to fight for. Um, And so remembering that even in the brokenness, we are pointed to what God is showing us through that brokenness. Um, The design um, for marriage, the way that he created marriage is perfect in and of itself. It's just um, living it out in the broken world can, um, it can cause us to lose sight of these greater purposes, Um, Christ in the church, um, us being sanctified and made more like Christ and um, preparing for eternity with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well said. This deep longing of wanting to be known is not ultimately going to be fulfilled in marriage. If that's not its purpose, um, its ultimate purpose is to give us a category of thinking of, wow, Mm. that's how God knows me even to a higher level. And Mm -hmm. that's how I want to know God. And that's how I want to love him and be loved by him. Like that's what marriage points to mm-hmm. and we get glimpses of that. We get um, feelings of that. We get pictures of that as this plays out and as you have kids and as you struggle and, and like this gives you a living movie to live through <laughs> yeah. um, of, of understanding more of the depth and the breadth and the height and the width of what God's love must be for us. In Christ Jesus. Yeah. And
0: a practical way to kind of think about that. Like I'll just give an example. So if you are feeling like, man, I have tried to open myself up to my husband. I have tried to tell him what I need and what I desire and he doesn't get me. Hmm. He does not get me. I don't feel known. I don't feel loved. I don't feel treasured. I don't feel understood or listened to. That brokenness, that weakness in your husband is supposed to, like Eric said, point you to Christ. Guess what? God does know you. He knows you better than you could ever explain yourself to your spouse. And he's not running. He's pulling you towards him. He's drawing close. He knows you. He loves you. He accepts you. He gets you. He's created you to be wired the ways that you are. So inside and out, he gets you. He knows you and he loves you. And on the flip side, maybe you do have a husband and you're like, oh my word, like I have poured my heart out to him. I've been so vulnerable and open and shared everything and he loves me. He has not rejected me. I feel so known, so loved, Mm -hmm. so treasured. He just makes me feel like the queen. Even in that, that is even to point you to Christ and to be like, okay, as well as my husband knows me and loves me. God does it even better. He does it perfectly. He knows me and loves me and cares for me even more. So whether you have a great marriage or a hard marriage, both are supposed to and designed and created to point you to God and to the perfectness
1: of his love for us. Yeah, well said. Number two on this list is marriage is the quickest way to identify and then unseat our own selfishness, you know, part of the purpose of marriage is, is um, uh, this side of the fall and then this side of the, uh, you know, brokenness is that we are, we are broken people. We do not respond well to one another. Um, and to the world, oftentimes we can fake it. Um, we can respond well to the world, but man, when it's just the two of you, (laughs) there is so little faking that can really go on and the other partner and be like, "Mm, Nope. Mm -hmm. Um, you just, you can't fake it. And God is concerned about our holiness. Like, um, God doesn't want to just let us be off in our sin. Um, that's ultimately not where we find our greatest joy. Um, And so marriage is a way to really, a fancy word, sanctify us or Mm -hmm. make us more, you know, build our character in a way that's different. Um, And to be it's it's one of the ways that uh, God uses to really turn us in to start um, acting more like his son and the great character that you read of Christ having compassion on others and listening to others and pouring his life out for others and ultimately dying for others. Like, like, man, what kind of character must Christ have had? Like, um, and you know, marriage is a way for us to begin to look and to act like that. Um, certainly starting with our spouse, uh, behind closed doors cause there is nowhere to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and then ultimately to the world as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. And I, I love the, the Tim Keller quote about just, you know, marriage is helping one another to know, serve, love, and resemble God in deeper and deeper ways. It can't just be about companionship or having a travel buddy or somebody to provide for your needs. Um, it really, when you keep the big picture of what marriage is developing and creating and working towards, and you are really at the core desiring to help your spouse resemble God, um, in deeper and deeper ways. It just has such a richer meaning and all of the hard work feels so much more worth it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And that's, that's well said. One of my uh, favorite quotes around the uh, purpose of marriage is really, um, that marriage is a deep spiritual friendship on the journey to the new creation, to where Mm -hmm. we're headed, Mm -hmm. reflecting even in imperfect ways, God's joy and passion for his own. Mm. Um and I just I just love that that quote and it really does capture both of these pieces that we're uh, you know trying to pull out here. The other the other piece on this is, you know, as as you see things and your selfishness is unseated. Um be careful not to be the holy spirit or uh the judge in your, you know, spouse's life. Mm. Don't don't underestimate prayer. Um, you ain't going to change unless you're praying through these things mm-hmm. and, uh, don't sit in church and then elbow your spouse and the pastor's like, are you, <laughs> are you listening to this? Cause this, this pastor is speaking right at you. Right, um, right. don't, don't play the role of the Holy spirit. Um, y- you are going to change in marriage and it's going to be ugly change sometimes, and it's going to be hard. And, and, um you know, help your spouse change. You're really the only one that uh, oftentimes gets to look this deeply into things Mm -hmm. that are just not cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) about the other person. And you can do one of two things. Like we said, you can run or you can say, God, please have mercy on my spouse and use me in any way to help them, free them from this or to heal them from this. Um, And then one of my other favorite quotes too out of Keller's marriage book is, is that one day we will stand before God and be able to say, I always knew you would look like this. Mm. I always knew you would get there. I always knew that you would be, um, you know, as, as the end of the Bible says dressed in white or you'd be perfect. You, you would have those character traits. You, you would get there. I always knew you would. And Mm. that's a, that's the big part of marriage as well. It's this, spiritual friendship on this journey to where we're headed mm. and we do it together. And on this journey man, we're really learning about in a very living parable way, what God thinks mm. of his own. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really, really key to all that we're talking about. So thank you for sharing yeah. all of that. Yeah. Okay. Number four, yes to loving and liking your spouse. And no to minimizing the importance of genuinely enjoying one another. Yeah. And this one, I, I mean, like honestly that. has come easier for us than for some couples. But just because it may not naturally happen for you, I, we just want to encourage you that it's important to work towards liking your spouse um, because a marriage between two people who are, you know, not only committed to loving each other till death do us part, but also genuinely liking each other can be so fulfilling and fun. Um and I think most thriving marriages that we've observed over the years, I mean they do include deep friendships, um spiritual friendships like you said, but fun friendships too. And you know, that said, I do believe love is enough. I mean, you can be 100% committed to love to, to love somebody and you know, that will keep your marriage intact, but um you know, there is so much more. There's so much more um than just an intact marriage or a committed marriage it can be enjoyed Yeah. and you know i think about if if we think like we can all name somebody in our life that we love um but we really don't want to spend time with them <laughs> i mean it's possible to <laughs> love somebody and not enjoy them it's possible to love somebody and keep them at a distance um you know this is true in parenting too we've we've always worked to like our kids to enjoy spending time with them i mean of course we love them we pour our lives out for them yeah but when we like them too i mean man we just want to be with them um and at the stage of the game in parenting that we are in right now we're kind of getting some tastes of what that can lead to and that is friendship with your adult kids like actual friendship you want to hang out with them and they become some of your best friends um but back to liking your spouse i mean a practical way To do this is to find things that you both enjoy. Um, And sometimes it's trying new things because we can both work to like what the other person likes. But sometimes you have to work um, even after years and years of marriage to keep things fresh and fun and engaging. And, you know, for us, just in the last year, we've taken up kayaking. We've started playing (laughs) pool together. And we have um, worked to find Netflix series that we enjoy together. Those are three new things that we haven't done a lot of um, in our 27 (laughs) years of marriage. So, you know, even after all of these years, we are continuing to work to develop common interests and creative ways that we both enjoy to spend time together. And I think that's why we have so much laughter in our marriage too. I mean, you're more prone to laugh when you're enjoying yourself and the company that you're in. I mean, I'm blessed with a very funny spouse. (laughs) Um, but I mean, even if you're not, if your husband doesn't have a great sense of humor or your wife doesn't have a great sense of humor, um, there is enjoyment still to be found when you figure out the best ways to spend, um, quality, um, time together where you learn to foster your love by enjoyment and, and liking them.
1: Yeah, that's, that's well said. I, I, I love laughter and I love what it states. You know, there's there's so much of laughter that if it's done well, um, can really connect with hope. Like who really wants to laugh in this broken world when there's so much death and destruction and you could laugh in a cynical way or, or you could laugh in more of a hopeful way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just think that when we do that, like there's a close connection to uh, worship that, that we, there is a rumble of panic underneath everything that we literally could lose another kid at any time. Mm-hmm. Cause we've already lost one. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the reality of it. And then to laugh in this world in the midst of that means that we, we really do understand that, that doesn't have the last word like this brokenness in this world is not the final word. Like there is something that's going to happen um, to this world. There is something it went creation. And then yes, we fell and it was brutal. And there is, there is salvation and there is hope in Christ, but that's not the final word. Like there is restoration and redemption. Um, And I think to be able to laugh sometimes in that aspect of hope is kind of what Solomon's getting at. Um, He finishes up Proverbs by saying that, you know, a good wife can laugh at the future. Like, how does that happen? Like, how can a wife laugh at the future when the future is not guaranteed? And we've seen that and we've seen the uh, brokenness that can uh, come from that. But there is laughter to be had because the brokenness is not the final word. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I do think there's reason to become a student of of humor. There is reason to become uh, some punchlines are funnier than others. What is a punchline? How do you do lead ups to it? Um, There is good stuff to laugh through in this life. Um, and connected with hope, there can be a real reason to make the case that that can be part of our, you know, worship. Uh, one of my favorite comics as of late is a guy called Michael Jr. Um, so if you haven't found him, Google him and, uh, watch him on YouTube. One of his things that he says is that as a stand-up comic, he had this light bulb moment. One day he moved away from, um being a stand-up comic to get laughs. Like I stand up in the club and all I'm here for is I'm my purpose is to get laughs. And he tells the story about what happened when he flipped that on its head and said, No, 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 no. Like what if what if my purse what if my purpose here, um, in what I'm doing in comedy, which is now my work and he's getting paid well for it, what if my what if my purpose here is to give laughs? What if my purpose is to give laughter um, instead of make laughs come. So I feel better about myself and I'm a really good stand-up comic. What if, you know, what if this was a way to really kind of spread um, joy to others that have much reason not to hope. Right. Um, and he, he makes a yeah, fascinating connection there. Plus he's really funny. Um, I highly recommend him. And I just think that it is a worthy work to continue to study good ways um, to use humor tastefully. That's really helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, if that's not your natural wiring and bent to, to be funny, <laughs> yeah, and uh, to, fake, I mean, there's still either. ways to enjoy and to like spending time with your spouse. I think one practical way to figure that out is just ask one another, you know, if we had a Saturday that was totally free, what would you want to do? What would be a fun activity or place to go or, you know, thing to do just, kind of picking each other's brains, making lists, um, you know, figuring out what are some things that we do have fun doing together, and then prioritize doing more of those things together. I think another practical tip is just find other couple friends that enjoy each other um, and spend time with them, um, make it a priority to, to be with others who like their spouse. Um, and oftentimes when you are, you know, with other couples that are, you know, really enjoying, they love each other, but they also like each other. Um, you see your spouse in a different light, um, when they're in different situations and you go out and you do new things. Um, it can just bring this whole aspect of, of liking your spouse, um, to the surface. And yes, I mean, definitely be committed to loving your spouse. You need that commitment to, you know, to endure the hard seasons and stay together for better or worse. But don't forget to also be a committed friend and work to foster a friendship, um, where you make time together, a joy and an encouragement for one another. Yeah. Fun. Okay. I knew we would have a lot of words. Um, and we have probably time (laughs) for one more. That's great we'll kind of cut it there. So we'll have the first half and the second half of our top 10 things. Great. Um, So let's do one more. What's number five?
1: Number five. Yes. To dwelling on the 85% of our relationship. That is fantastic. (laughs) And no to spending all my time grieving over the 15% that I just don't like. Mm. So it's the 85, 15 rule. Uh, This one we learned from Glenna Salisbury. She's been a national speaker. She's been a lifelong friend. As many people at the bank know, we've hired her a a couple times there to come and uh, speak at the bank. Uh, She was friends of our family before I was even born. And the way that she practically talks about marriage is really focus in on, there is so much that is working well. Um, this isn't about looking at life glass half full. (laughs) This is about, no, no, no. Like there's so many things in your marriage that are just killing it and doing, and, and doing great. Like that's where you need to spend your time. That's where you need to spend your energy. That's where you need to spend your focus. We are wired as human beings, oftentimes to nitpick. And what we end up doing is really focusing in on those 15% of things that, sometimes it's just preference stuff like i prefer to do things one way jody prefers to do them the other way who cares like like you can't you can't focus on those preference things i think i think the apostle paul says it this way you know whatever whatever is good whatever is right whatever is lovely uh whatever is of good reputation like these like these are the things that you need to dwell on. These are the things that you need to focus your mind on. These are the things that you need to purposely remind yourself of and go back to mm-hmm. and live in the land of the 85%. Like there's plenty of things in marriage in that 15% that you could nitpick and you could focus in on and you could drive yourself bonkers. And you have to ask yourself how much time am I focusing in on the 15% of things, which I really just am not crazy about. And, you know, folks in the broken world, as we've said, there are 15% of, there are things in this 15% that I'm just not fun to live with. Uh, There's things that are just not good about me. Um, that's not to say that I'm mostly good. That, that, that is to say that in the broken world, there are things, about each of us and about this marriage that are never going to be a hundred percent. And you've got to expect that 15% and then you got to live your life and focus in on and be diligent about reminding yourself what's in the 85% mm-hmm. and live and, and live there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's the perfect passage to focus in on of just where we should be putting, the thoughts in our mind and taking our thoughts captive when we are focusing in on the negative stuff and the nitpicky stuff, and it is easy. I mean, with quarantine, being together with your spouse all of the time, <laughs> you notice all of these little <laughs> things that you have to see over and over and over again all day long, every day. Um, it, yeah, it can. You can start to turn your attention. And your focus on just these couple little things that really bug you. And it's okay if they bug you. It's just back to your point of just, you know, what is working? What are the things? And I don't think Glenna would mind us sharing this because she shared it publicly before too. But she, the reason she brings this up for other couples as encouragement is that she admits that, you know, there was 85% of her marriage that was working and 15% that wasn't. And she zeroed in and spent all of her time and energy on the 15% that wasn't working, and they ended up getting a divorce. And she has said, looking back, I don't think I would have gotten a divorce if I would have focused in on the 85%. So, you know, it's not that, you know, we're saying that you, if you only focus in on the positive, you'll never get a divorce. That's not what we're trying to say. But it's just that, you know, it is easy to, to turn our attention and our focus in on these one or two things that are not, or maybe it's 10 or 20 things, but what is working? And maybe you need to make a physical list. Maybe you need to write down what are the things that are going well in our marriage? What are the things I appreciate and love about my spouse? And kind of back to what you said too. I mean, you can't be the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life. If there are things that are, you know, sin issues or bigger things that are, you know, damaging or hurtful or, you know, really hard. I mean, I'm not saying ignore that. Don't bring those things up. I mean, just, well, what is working? You know, it, it really is this, I think marriage for us and for most people really teaches you how to pray and really teaches you how to depend upon the Lord and the Holy Spirit to be that convicting voice in your spouse's, um, life, not you. Um, but yeah, that's been a, that's been a huge one for us. Um, just, um, kind of. I think like you said, the preference stuff, especially yeah. when it's a preference issue, when it's just an annoying habit, when it's just a, you know, something that's just kind of a little pet peeve. Um, the more time you sit and think about it and watch <laughs> your spouse do it. right? <laughs> I mean, it really does, um, harden your heart, um, a little bit and you lose focus of all of the things that are so helpful and encouraging and are going well.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what, uh, you know, wisdom is, is too. like, how do I know if this is in the 85% or how do I know if this is in the 15%? Um, that, that, I mean, like if it's a material item and it's damaging your marriage, going back to the earlier point, that's a weed you got to pull. Mm-hmm. And And don't take the easy way out and be like, nah, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm sure that's not a weed. That's part of the 15%. I'm just going to not worry about that. No, no. Like these are things that you got to do heavy lifting on. Um, and sometimes what's most helpful is sit down with one of your most trusted friends and be like, listen, this is, this is kind of where I'm struggling right now. What do you think? Do you think this is a material thing or is this just something I got to just, uh, focus on the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what benefit is it going to be if I sit down and have this conversation, uh, this, this is, this could be damaging. And, um, this could be really at the root of this, my own selfishness. Like mm-hmm. I want you to do this because I need this or I need this to be more for me. Like sometimes one of your closest friends can really help you, um, with, the uh, wisdom of what's in which part, um, Mm -hmm. and don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Um, and at the uh, same time, don't, don't just sweep things under that really need to be talked through. Yeah. Um, and I think we knew, and, and I think net net at the, at the end of the day, you got to focus in on so much of what really is working, even in the midst of this broken world in a marriage that your expectations are, it will never be perfect. That's okay. Like Mm -hmm. let's, let's be thankful and grateful for, for what is working so well.
0: Yeah. And gratitude is such a key piece. I mean, such a good, um, you know, tool in the fight for joy. And I think just naturally, sometimes we, we do this with our friendships. We just don't always do it with our spouses. I mean, it's, you don't have a perfect friend. There is probably 85, sometimes even like, you know, 65, 75% that works with a friendship and we, we are willing to put up with the other, Um, the other parts that aren't working, um, for friends, but you know, for our spouse who we live with day in and day out, I mean, we can focus in on just these, these things that, um, that really, um, pull our hearts and our attention and our liking, um, away from our, from our spouse.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. One other thought on this, um, Peter talks about it this way above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of Mm. sins. And this is not a call to sweeping things under the rug. This is a call to lifelong commitment to loving the other person. Um, and in ways that maybe you're not being treated well, like this is, this is what we need to have a new nature for. This is, this is why Christ came. This is mm-hmm. why he gave us his spirit that, you know, we're, we're being called to love the other person in a way that we can't do. Yeah. Um, and I think the 8515 reminds us of that. Like, um, man, there is going to be 15% of icky stuff that I'm just, I, I'm, that's just part of the nature of this, uh, fallen world. And I'm called to love through this. Like, God help me. Mm-hmm. Um, you call me to it now do that in my life, mm-hmm. do that in my heart.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Let's, let's wrap this up for today. We will, um, maybe in the next couple of days we'll record (laughs) the second half of our list. And then we also have, um, listener Q and A's that we want to, um, to get to as well. But as we close, you know, for today, I just, I want to say that our prayer, as you listen, um, to these conversations on marriage, um, is that you would be encouraged um, yes. if you are struggling in your marriage or it's just hanging on by a thread. Um, we we want our conversations not to discourage you and bring discontentment or jealousy or anything creeping in like that. We want to bring you hope and excitement for what is possible. Um, we want you to feel like a good marriage is attainable, that um, God will give you the strength and provide what you need to continue to persevere um and we want to encourage you to just keep fighting that working on your marriage like Eric said it's worthy and important work and um and all that being said we do we just want to remind you we know it can be hard to listen to somebody share about a good part of their life when that same part of your life is miserable right. i mean i remember in our darkest days of grief how painful it was to hear about other right. happy things that were going on with complete families. I remember getting Christmas cards and being like, every member of their family is in this Christmas card. It was brutal on my heart. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I almost couldn't breathe when I would see, you know, complete families, everybody together celebrating and laughing and getting family pictures taken. But as our grief has progressed and, you know, our burden isn't as heavy, it's a little bit more tolerable. It's not in our face all of the time. I've learned I can now, you know, rejoice with others. I'm thankful that they have their family. Um, I'm able to to listen and hear their stories yeah, well um, and have, you know, just um, yeah, a rejoicing uh spirit in that. And, you know, and so I realize there's gonna be the gamut of all of these feelings and emotions with all of you as you listen. I mean, we have thousands of people who listen to this podcast and there are thousands of different situations yeah, and marriages represented. So Um, Just know that we are not sharing because we think we have everything figured out or to make you compare our marriage with yours. We just want to share to give you hope and to encourage you to work on your marriage. It is not going to be easy. Some marriages will never be easy. And, um, you know, the word effort, it takes continual effort and the word effort just implies that it's not easy, but there is hope. There are practical tools to implement. That's what we're hoping we're sharing and that you will glean from these conversations. And also just remember, we have a big God, the creator and designer of marriage. He is at work. He can help. He can sustain. He can comfort and he can provide, um, even when our spouse doesn't, even when we're disappointed, even when we are, you know, miserable on a day in and day out basis with our spouse. Um, don't, um, don't pull away from the Lord. Keep focused on him. Keep your eyes on him. Keep looking to his word for counsel and, and guidance. And, um, yeah, man, we just hope this has been encouraging and helpful to you. Yeah. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Fighting for Joy podcast. I just want to remind you that I am still partnering with Faithful Counseling this season to help bring you quality online Christian counseling. Use my code at faithfulcounseling.com for fightingforjoy. You will find out more there and receive 10% off. I can't say it enough, but quality counseling is a worthy investment such a powerful tool in the fight for joy in the midst of this broken world again check it out at faithfulcounseling.com fighting for joy or just send me a message and I will get you the direct link have a great day you guys thank you so much for listening today if you were helped or encouraged by this episode please share it with others I would also love for you to find me on social media You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.